Amen. Well, I'd like you to open your Bible in Colossians 2, verse 10. And uh, I, want to, I want to share something with you. just been burning on my heart for a little while. And, uh, and uh, I'm wanting to push against some thinking that some of you have. And uh, it's an area that all of us uh, at points of wrestle and struggle with. So at first, let's read the verse, Colossians 2, chapter 10. What I want to speak about is this, there is no lack in Christ. There is no lack in Christ. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. Notice what it says here in verse, in Colossians chapter 2. Colossians is a great book. Look in verse 10. We'll read in verse 9 first. In Him, that's in Jesus, lives all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In other words, saying that in Jesus is the fullness of God. And notice this. And you are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. You are not under demons. You are connected to the head, the head of every principality and power. You are over them. You are the head, not the tail, in Christ. You are positioned for blessing, victory, for abundance in every area of your life just by being connected to Jesus Christ. You are complete in Him. means literally, in Him, you are filled up to overflowing you have an abundance. You're supplied with everything you need in Christ. Now, uh, when we read the Scripture, Scripture is incredibly clear. But the reality is it's not how people live. Uh, I saw a movie a while ago. I've enjoyed I've kept the movie recorded because it's quite a good one. Anyone who knows counseling quite enjoy this movie. It's the movie's called What About Bob? And it's a story of a guy, Bob Wiley, and he's a classic counseling case, been to every counselor, he gets transferred to a new counselor and then proceeds to drive the man crazy by his demands. And Bob is uh, full of fears, he's full of insecurities, and, uh, but he's full of needs. And one of the classic lines is when he's trying to negotiate with this guy, he says, I need, I need, I need. And essentially what he does is he manipulates people and circumstances to come through for him. And that's true of many people. God wants you in life to discover fullness in Christ so you can enter life and relationships complete with something to give, not entering in wanting to get something. I'll say that again. God wants you to become complete in Christ, to experience fullness of Him so in relationships you enter them able to give something out of your abundance rather than try and extract out of people to meet your needs. When we come into relationships with a sense of lack, we will then manipulate and pressure people to come through to meet our need. Now, in the church, this is also what happens. Often we come, and we do have various areas of lack and need in our life, but the answer to them ultimately will be the person of Jesus Christ. And if we don't actually make Christ our center and learn how to access and receive from Him, we will try and extract it out of people and relationships. For example, one of, one of the most discouraging uh, stories I've heard of people leading a small group is this. They got disheartened and discouraged. This is what they said. It's because needy people put such a demand on me, I just don't, I can't keep this up. And the answer really, of course, is they're looking to the wrong source. They're making you the answer to their need instead of Christ. And it's something to be confronted and pushed back upon because it's codependent, it's idolatrous, 
and it will drain you out and destroy you. We have to learn that. We're living in a world which is full of people with needs and entitlements, and they place pressure for someone somewhere to come through and meet the need. And what I propose today, that in Christ, everything we have need of is found. We've got to learn how to access that. You say amen to that? Say amen to that? Amen to that. We need to say, remember children. Children come up. I've heard them say, can I have this? I have this. I have this. I need it. I need that ice block. I just need it. No, you don't need it. You want it. But when you start to carry on like that, you're carrying on in a manipulative way. 2 Peter 1.3, it says, we have now, God has given us all things. God has given us all things. How many things God given us? All things, and he describes it, pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of Christ. So what has God given you? Everything you need to live a godly life and to live out your life. And where is it found? It's found in Christ. The church of the future must rediscover again the fullness of Christ in us and discover the resources of Christ so we can enter the community and we have something We can enter into church and we come with something to give. Wherever we are, we are carrying something to give. We're becoming what God intended, a river of life, meeting needs, ministering to people, bringing Christ to them. So God wants us to understand. So notice, He has given. It's already given. So the problem is not that you have lack. The problem is if you are experiencing lack, you haven't yet aligned to receive God's provision. He's already made the provision for you. You don't have to beg God. You don't have to twist God's arm. He has already given you in Christ everything you need. Say, well, I don't get that because I have needs. Well, you don't get what God says because your heart is believing something different. But when we begin to realize that God has said, I'm complete in Christ. I have everything I need in Him. God has given me everything. My only question is if I'm experiencing lack, I'm listening to something or I'm believing something that's not true. I need to turn again into Him and discover what He has to meet that need. Let's have a look in 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11. Is your life governed by feelings of lack? 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, here's what Paul was writing to the uh, Corinthians. And this is what he said in verse uh, three, 2. He said, uh, I'm jealous over you. I'm jealous. It's a godly jealousy, good jealousy, because I've betrothed you to one husband that I might present you as a chaste version to Christ. So what he's saying is, I have joined you to Christ. You have become a Christian. You have become a believer. You have become, you've received Christ. You become joined to him. You are part of him. His spirit is in you. Now he says, now I am afraid lest somehow just as the serpent deceived me, Eve, by his craftiness, your mind's may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, I've looked at that word there, simplicity, and some people have it pure devotion or simple devotion, but the word literally means this, the simplicity of Christ. It's a very, very simple thing. It means literally without agendas, generosity, and abundance. In Christ, there's an abundance for us. And he said, I'm concerned, lest in the same way that the devil tempted Eve, you will have been shifted or corrupted or withered in your thinking, in your mind. So he's he's expressing a concern, and he tells us exactly what the concern is. 
and how it comes about. And he gives us some pictures to find out how it came about. And I'll explain to you and Shane get free of this very quickly because it's something we're all familiar with. He said, notice this. He said, I have joined you to Christ and in him you are complete. You have everything you need for life and godliness. However, I've got a concern. And my concern is this. In the same way the devil corrupted Eve by being very clever, I'm concerned that the same thing doesn't happen to you And in the end, instead of having an abundant life, you wither up from all God's generosity. Think about that. He's concerned then that we won't live in abundance and a supply to give to others, but rather we'll be dry and withered. And the reason is because our mind got shifted away from truth. So I want to go back just shortly, and we're going to look into a a, a scripture there in uh, the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 3. And I want you to see... Just in brief, just the nature of the deception. The nature of the deception. You say, well, the devil wouldn't deceive me anyway. I'm a Christian. I'm in church. Well, it's not about whether you're in church or not. It's about whether you're in an abundant flow of life. It's about whether you're living out of the abundance Christ has made available for you. Now, and I'll show you how subtle this is. I'll do it quite briefly today, but there's, there's other things we could add to it. Notice what he says in Genesis 3, verse 5. The devil came, and Adam and Eve are in the garden. And then it says in verse 5, it says, Now God knows in the day you eat the tree, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God. Now, what did he do? Let's put it in different language. The Bible says they were made in the image of God. So how could they do anything that will make them more like God? They were already made in the image of God. So what did he do? He pointed out this. He pointed out, well, you have something lacking. You are missing out. God is holding out on you. That's what he said. Essentially, God is withholding something from you that you need. Now, you think about advertising. How does advertising work? Advertising works by showing you something you lack or need. So they have all these happy people, and they're having a happy life, a wonderful life. They're smiling, they're grinning, they're very, very happy. And as you look, you realize, you see that, and you feel a lack of happiness. I'm not happy like those people there I have. And then it begins to identify why you're not happy, and points out the solution. Buy this product, and you too will have a happy life. Or go on this trip, and you too will have a happy life. In other words, it sets it up by making you feel a lack And once you feel the lack, you are now set to receive a solution. Sin is a solution to a felt lack. When you feel a lack, you do something apart from God to sin, or you'll turn to God for his supply. So if the Bible truth is that in Christ I have everything, then one of the things the devil will do to to, to corrupt you is to move you away from in Christ I have all I need to Actually, I don't quite have all I need. There's something missing. And if I'm going to have that something missing, I will have to do something to get it. And the something I do to get it will lead me either into sin or into religion. So many Christians start off very simply in the gospel, and then they move away into religion. And the more you move away from the simple gospel truth of who you are in Christ and what he's done for you, what he's provided for you, the more you get religious. We're either established very strongly in the truth that I'm complete in Christ, I have all I need in him. My issue is not the lack. My issue is the feeling of lack and the cause is what I believe in my heart. And if I can shift my belief, 
then I'll be able to access what God has provided for me. But the devil puts a different plan to you. He says, no, 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 no. It's not about believing. It's something you've got to do. You need to prove it. You need to do it. So the notice that the core of his conspiracy uh, lay in this was to awaken in her a need of lack. You have a lack. Something is missing. And this is what you need to do to get it. So notice that Jesus got tempted the same way in the wilderness in, Genesis, in, in Luke chapter 3, around about verse 5. He was hungry or was feeling lack. The devil says, oh, well, you know, if you're the son of God, you need to do something to prove and establish this. You need to prove it. You need to do something to meet your own need rather than discovering in Christ what you have need of. So the devil will always put into your mind the deception you don't have enough. Unfortunately, religion does the same thing. Religions of all kinds right across the world including perverted form of Christianity, which he was troubled. Now, what he was troubled about with the Corinthians was you started off strong in your faith in Christ that he's enough, and now you've come so into a place of lack, you're moving away and withering, and now you think you've got to do all these things. And what was happening was teachers would come in among them and were trying to get them back under the law, that it's not enough to just trust in Christ. You've got to do something to put yourself right with God. When you think about the struggles that most people face, this is what religion does. Religion pressures you that you are inadequate. You are inadequate. That's the message of religion. It's a constant pressure. You lack. You haven't got enough. You're not good enough. Actually, you don't meet up to what everyone else expects. You're not wearing the right thing. You're not doing the right thing. You're not holding your hands up high enough. You're not praying this way, that way. You're not giving enough. You're not doing, reading your Bible enough. You're not enough. The message of religion is always one of lack, not enough, not enough. How many felt that? How many felt that? I mean, everyone feels that. But that's the point where you get exploited by the devil. He will exploit you around this awareness or feeling or consciousness inside. You don't have enough. When you go to pray for someone, there you are, someone standing there, and there you are, and you're going to pray for them. You know the first thing that you become aware of? I haven't got enough. I haven't got an answer. I haven't got anything. And if you get, if you get focusing on that, very soon you'll be disempowered to minister the Spirit and meet their need, what instead you'll do, you pray a religious prayer. Oh, God, bless this person. Oh, God, help them and help me too. But God, help them. But it's coming out of lack. It's not coming out of abundance. And yet the simple key in just the ministering to a person is very simple. You just focus your awareness back on Christ, that in Him every need is met, that it's not up to you to meet the need. It's up to Jesus to meet their need as they exercise faith. See, it's changing your focus from me being in a place of lack to God having all the abundance I need and can minister to them. Now, this is what holds so many Christians back because we live full of lack. We live conscious of need. Are the needs real? Yeah, they may well be very well be real. But uh, the thing is, God has an answer for them that can be accessed through faith. Our big challenge is believing the lies and going the wrong way. Notice in Galatians 3 verse 1, there's the Galatian church. We'll just give a couple more things and then I'll finish up. Galatian church, notice what Paul spoke to the Galatians. He said, you foolish. This is a nice letter to the church, isn't it? Starts off saying he loves them. He says, you're stupid. Isn't that lovely? Nice letter to the church. See? 
He starts off in chapter 1, verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Isn't that lovely? That's nice words, isn't it? Then in verse, chapter 3, verse 1, stupid Galatians. He said, and this is what he's saying. He said, who bewitched you? Who put you under the influence of something? He said, who was it got you to come under the influence of something that's not from God? Now he's writing to the church. And not only one church, he's actually writing to all the churches in Galatia, whole group of churches, all come under the influence of something. What do they come under the influence of? He said, hey, listen, how did you get saved? Did you get saved by working hard or did you get saved by the hearing of faith? You heard God's word, believed God's word, spoke God's word, and God's power came. How did this happen? How did you get saved? He said, that's how you got saved. You heard and believed the gospel. He said, then how does he perfect you or how does he work miracles among you? Is it because you work hard, pray hard, fast hard, read the Bible? No, it's none of those things. It is the hearing of faith. So the God who saved you by just you hearing and responding in faith is the same God that will change you the same way and he will also do things through you the same way. He said, who put you under a spell that made you think you had to do lots of other things? And what had happened was this. They'd come under the yoke of legalism. Legalism is, well, it's not enough what Jesus did for you. There's more you have to do to be good enough to be accepted by God. You say, well, those stupid Galatians, fancy thinking a thing like that. I would never, on the other hand, think anything like that. Well, let me just try you out. You had a day and you didn't pray. And then another day and you didn't pray. And then you came before the Lord. And what's the first thing you start to think? I haven't prayed. Where do I stand with God? Well, let me ask you this. Does your standing with God, depending on whether you prayed today, or does it depend on what Christ did? It's on what Christ did. Well, well, I didn't read my Bible. Oh, Oh, so your standing depends on reading the Bible, does it? So you've moved from the gospel then. Oh, okay. Well, well, you know, I got really angry at my wife this morning. Really? Nut it off! You know, oh, really? So that changes your standing with God, does it? So your works change your standing with God. You've moved away from the gospel, have you? Now, this goes on all the time, and you know it goes on. It's a struggle that goes on in your mind and heart. It's the struggle that if I had only just done the right things or done enough of the right things, then I would have a standing with God. And so how can you, let me ask you this, how can you build stability in your Christian life if you move from the gospel? The gospel is about what Jesus did. He has done it, and he's done it all. It's our faith in what he's done is what gives us the standing with God. You have a standing with God. Maybe your intimacy with him is affected because of guilt in your heart or because of lack and neglect. I think that we should cultivate relationship or it diminishes and withers, and you become overwhelmed by a sense of lack, and then you strive. So when we come into a church service, are we coming, we have to do lots of things to get God to come? you've moved from the gospel. God has already come. To realize his presence means we just need to focus our attention upon him. Listen, it goes right through Christianity. And I've no doubt it's affected my life, and I've had to wrestle with it to come to realize no matter what's happening around me, no matter what's happening in me, it does not change. Christ did the work, all the work, for me to be acceptable to God and have right to access his presence. That's why the Bible says in, in Hebrews 4, verse 15, let us come boldly. Oh, well, I didn't pray this morning. Oh, 
the other. And I had a row. No, 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 no. No, do what God says. Come boldly. Why? Because it doesn't depend on what you did. It depends on what Jesus has already done for you. He has already done the work. He's already paid the price. You don't have to pay a price. Oh, well, God's dealing with me. You don't understand. God's really dealing with me. Give me a break. You've just got an area of sin you won't repent of. What do you mean God's dealing with you? You're experiencing the consequences of your sin. It's not that God's dealing with you. God loves you. He's your, he's your father. He will discipline you a little, but uh, that's a different thing. See? That's a bit of a different thing, eh? So let me just bring this into close. So we give the idea. Think about the elder brother. The elder brother in the prodigal son story. He was living in the house. Everything, And the father said, but everything I have was available to you. Why didn't he get it then? Because he's thinking. He was corrupted from the gospel. He did not understand, because I'm a son, everything is available to me. Because I'm a child of God, everything I need is available to me. Because of what Jesus did, not because of what I did. That is the gospel. Let me finish just a couple of things on this. Let me just give you a couple of things. The gospel is great news. Look in Colossians. Go back to Colossians. We'll just finish there with a couple more verses. Colossians. Go back to Colossians. Gospel is great news. It's good news. It is good news. It is good news. Most people turn into bad news. You're bad. God hates you. You're going to hell. That's not good news. Good news is that Christ died on your behalf and heaven is open and you've only got to repent and believe and align with Christ. Open your life to him in response to what he's done and heaven starts to open for you. That's got to be good news. See, it's got to be good news. Often people start that way and then don't finish that way. They end up in all kinds of things. In Colossians chapter 1, look at this. We give thanks, verse 12, give thanks to the Father who qualified us, who qualified us to receive the good things of God. Now, come on, here's a good question. Who qualified you to receive the things of God? Did your works qualify you? The Father qualified us by what Jesus did. So you are qualified to access the blessings of heaven. Well, if I just give my money, I'll be blessed in my finances. Where did you get that teaching? Oh, you've moved from the gospel again. Well, if I just serve, then I'll be blessed. No, 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 no. No, you've moved from the gospel again. The gospel says you are already blessed. So the question is not what have I got to do to get blessing. How does a blessed man live their life? If I believed I was blessed, how would I live? If I believed I had everything I needed, how would I treat my finances? Do you understand? That's why it's always a danger when people go around the page, well, if you don't tithe, you'll be cursed. because And they quote Malachi. I know Malachi very well. I've had it pounded on me over many years and always troubled me a bit because I thought I, thought I was blessed in Christ. Now Bowman tells me if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, I'm cursed. So which is it? I'm either blessed by faith or am I blessed by my works? Actually, I, need, I am blessed because of what Jesus did and, as, and if I believe it, I will live that out in a certain way that increases the flow of his reality in my life. See, the problem is not God's blessing or willing to bless. The problem is if I'll believe it and then live out my life like it. See, so if I believe that I'm blessed everywhere, including in my finances, then I live as a generous person, listening to the voice of God, and generosity is my life. Why? Am I being generous so I can get blessed? No. That's why so many people, are, they give money and they give it, I've got to give this to God and then he'll do something for me. That's just the law. You're under a curse when you're like that. You're under, you're under condemnation because you can never do enough. You never do enough. But what if 
You are totally acceptable now the way you are. Well, I don't feel acceptable. That's because what you believe in your heart is different to what God says about you. And the problem is not with God. The problem is believing in your heart. Well, the people around me make me feel bad. No, 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 no. Your feelings are your feelings. They may have some uh, religious attitudes and some judgmental attitudes, but they're inclined to think. They're going to do and think and say what they're going to say. The question is what you believe and how you live. Will you live in harmony with the gospel? So this is the, the, the thing is, the difference between, notice it, in the scripture here, Colossians 1 and verse 12. Here's another one. Look at this down here, and we'll finish with this one. Look at this. It said, verse 20, 1. Uh, those, you were alienated, enemies in your mind, by the way you thought, and in your works, how you lived your life, but he's reconciled you. It said, in the body of his flesh, through death, to present you. Now look at this. You're holy, you're blameless, and you're above reproach in his sight. So how does God view you? He says, you are holy. You go around saying you're holy, people will look at you, you're queer. Weird. Are you holy or not? Well, that's not very convincing sound, is it? Because the moment I asked the question, are you holy, you thought of something you got wrong in your life. Is that right? And so you felt, I can't quite say with conviction I'm holy because I'm not doing holiness right. So you've moved from the gospel, haven't you? The gospel is you're made holy by the work that Jesus did for you. A blameless. How many of you are blameless here? You're blameless. Everyone who's blameless here today, put your hand up. Well, there's a couple of, there's a few people. Rightio. Okay. But of course, the moment you start to do that, immediately your mind fills with where you may have a little bit of blame hurled at you because you didn't do something quite. But the Bible says God has made us blameless and without reproach in his sight. Doesn't mean to say people see us that way. But who are you living for, people or God? See, if you're living in the sight of God, it's what God says about you, not what people that counts. People have got their opinions. They're going to have their opinions one way or the other. The crowd goes this way, goes that way. They swing, sweep. One day, Jesus was, hooray, hooray, he's arrived. Next day, they want to kill him. Paul, one day, he's a murderer. Look, he must be, look, the snake got him. He's going to die. Next day, he isn't dead. Oh, he must be a god. That's the people. That's the crowd. Listen, you can't live your life that way. You need to live your life in God's sight. What does God say? He says, I'm his child. I'm accepted. I'm beloved. Religion says, not good enough. Religion says, do more. Christ says, you are good enough. I've made you good enough. I've done the work for you. Religion says, you need to pray for revival. Really? Jesus said, I put my spirit in you and there's a living revival inside you. Will you believe? So one of them, you have to work to get something to happen. I've seen people doing this stuff for years, 30 years. Pray, 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 pray pray for revival. I'm tired of it. I carry revival. I can bring move of the spirit everywhere I go. Because I believe when I change from trying to make God do something to understanding what he's already done and given and rested in the gospel, then peace comes and then you can carry the move of the Spirit of God. Ah! So well, God wants the church to become established in Christ, free of condemnation, free of guilt, and you are lacking nothing. You have something to give to every person. You have something to meet the needs, even if it's just a word of encouragement. You're not meant to meet every need, but you have something to give wherever you go. That is the good news of the gospel, that Jesus did the work, not you. You don't have to do more to be accepted, more to be. You can't make God love you more. 
What kind of thinking is this? I don't think God loves me. I don't feel God loves me. Well, where did you get that from? He already loves you in Christ. He can't love you anymore. The problem is you receiving the love because your heart doesn't believe. You've got judgments or bitter roots or whatever that all that they're doing is blocking your belief in God's goodness. So now you're tempted to try and meet your need another way. How important it is we come back to the truth of the gospel, become centered again on Jesus Christ, that wonderful, incomparable Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? Here we go. Here's something you could finish your work, do, do during this week. In Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I can't hear you. I shall. So this week, I shall not want. Today I shall not want. Tomorrow I shall not want. The next day I shall not want. Why? Because I am in relationship with Almighty God, Jesus Christ. The fullness of God is in Him. I am complete joined to Him. I have what I need joined to Him. I've got to learn how to believe and realize it. And then the life of God manifests amazingly. And this is all to do not with your performance, but with your heart. And it's all to do with changing your mind and believing. Notice what he said, I'm so concerned, you Corinthians, that having started off well, you'd be corrupted like Eve was and think, because you've got a lack, you've got to do something. Stop it, repent of it, and start to believe the truth of the gospel. I'm complete in Christ. I have all I need. I have all the love I need, therefore I can love people. I have all the affirmation I need if I listen to his voice, therefore I can affirm people. I have all my needs met in him, therefore I can be generous to people. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God to them that will believe it. Amen, believe it. Here's what you could do this week. Take Psalm 23 verse 1 and begin to meditate on it. Meditate, what would it be like to have God, your shepherd, personal friend, go through the psalm and see what it says about what a shepherd does and David's experience of a shepherd, and then begin to say, I shall not want. Now, that's a pretty negative thing. Why don't you make it positive and say, God, I think I have all the love that I need. Lord, I just meditate in your love. I just receive that love. It's there flowing. Your spirit's in me. I just receive it right now. And start to become conscious of what God says rather than the feelings of lack. The feelings of lack are always rooted in what you think with your mind and believe in your heart. You start to go in again and change those, and you start to experience the reality of God. Amen? Amen. 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 I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd for this 2014. I will have no need. I will have no lack because in every situation, oh, do I lack wisdom? Do you lack? How many lack wisdom? Don't know what to do right now. Got a problem? Ask God. If any man lacks wisdom, ask God who give you freely. Here's another one you can finish with. Look at this, Philemon 6. It says, you can impart faith to people and even to yourself if you'll acknowledge not all your faults, all your failings, all your mistakes, if you'll acknowledge every good thing in you in Christ. Time to start affirming people around you. I see this in you. I see that in you. I see strength in you. I see the life of God in you. I see faith in you. I see intimacy with God in you. I see encounters with God. I see you bringing the life of God. I started by just saying something and moved prophetically, didn't I? <laughs> see, it's a flow that comes from inside. That river is in you. What's stopping it going out? Are you stuck in religion? Stuck in a sense of lack? You have something for people. This week, bring that something to people.
Rise up inside and dare to believe what God says about you. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's stand. Let's exalt Him. Glorify His name or something. Come on, what's the, what's the song we're going to sing? Okay, here we go. Father, we just thank you for one another. Thank you for Bay City. Thank you, Lord, for this family of people. Father, let this abundance that we have in Christ increase in our lives in manifestation. Let the flow of the Spirit go like a river through this place and out to our community. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Hallelujah.